Thank you for listening to this podcast message from Stowe Presbyterian Church. This message was given by Pastor Bob Stanley. We've been following the story of Jesus where he has been wrongly accused, wrongly convicted of truly no crime as we're going to see today, as he has been tortured, abused, mocked, beaten within an inch of his life. He has walked to the cross with the help of Simon carrying the patibulum, the crossbeam, for him. Now as he reaches Golgotha, Calvary, he's nailed to the cross. His crucifixion begins. The shadow of the cross has fallen. Christ is there. And in his last moments, he has important instructions for us in what he says and in what he does. So let's pick up our story this morning. Luke chapter 23, starting in verse 32. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by, watching. But the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. I'll never forget the day I got a phone call. I was in my office as a youth pastor in my mid-twenties, and the church administrator there called down and said, there's a, there's a call for you on line two, and all right. I picked up the phone, and I heard a familiar voice say, hi. I knew the voice instantly. It was a girl I dated on and off since I was 14 years old. We had dated through college and broken up, and we'd gone our separate ways, and she was coming into the Pittsburgh area where I still live for a conference and she wanted to talk with me. I stammered, sure, I'd love to sit down and talk through some of these things. I felt my palms get sweaty as I was trying to hold on to the phone because the truth was I didn't want to do that at all. We had both done things to hurt each other. We had said and done things that we didn't even really mean and shouldn't have done. Fear gripped me, and I didn't want to do it. But yet, with my wife's encouragement and support, I, I did sit down and talk it through with her. And by the end of it, a, a great weight had been lifted. In fact, we're still friends to this day. One of my scariest moments is when she and my wife sat on the couch at our house in Pennsylvania and both nitpicked all the things that they knew were wrong with me. <laughs> they were just were, one of them would talk while the other one nodded. It's the worst, but it's also the best. It almost didn't happen. Why? Because forgiveness is hard. It's painful and altogether difficult for us. But why do we find it so difficult? Is it because of our, our human sinfulness and our need to be right or 
Is it because of how we are so deeply hurt when others do wrong to us and we know they do? It can feel completely unsatisfying to let go of the hurt and the pain that others have inflicted. Frankly, it can feel altogether unfair and simply wrong, like you're letting someone off the hook. You can almost feel and think to yourself, I'm condoning this, even encouraging these things to happen. That's what it can feel like. But let's think a little more about this. I'm sure there are things that have happened to you in this room that you would want no one else to know. People have truly done wrong. I know that those things were painful and that even they may have been horrific. And I don't think forgiveness comes easy. Often, though, it doesn't happen because we decide in our hearts it's unjust. Forgiveness can simply feel wrong to us if we're honest. Yet we need it so deeply. We need it so much in our lives. And we struggle to forgive others even when they come to us and seek forgiveness because it goes against the grain of who we are. We decide it's easier just to keep going and not deal with those things and pretend that everything's okay. But is that really true? In short, the answer is no. If we really stop and think it through, unforgiveness takes more time takes more energy from our hearts, from our minds, from our lives, from our relationships than forgiveness does. It can absolutely wipe us out and we can get stuck in a cycle of hurt and frustration and self-analysis when forgiveness doesn't happen. Now, don't get me wrong. Forgiveness should be a process. It's something that doesn't happen overnight. Especially for those big things, I think. But forgiveness can and should happen. The process has to start, or healing in life for us, even when we're hurt and wronged, won't continue. Think about it. If we never forgave anybody, the world would just stop. Friends would never grow closer and get over things. Marriages would always fall apart. You may be thinking right now, hold on, now wait a second. You don't know about... You're right. I don't. I don't know about what happened. And to be honest, in no way am I condoning or suggesting that anyone should ever stay in a dangerous situation or an abusive relationship. That's not what this is about. That's a different matter altogether. Honestly, Forgiveness is what makes the world go around and all the rest of life. And we all need it. We even crave it. Yet we don't want to admit that to ourselves. I don't know what you need forgiven for in your life. I don't know what things have been done to you that may need forgiven. But today I want you to know that Jesus does. And based upon what he's living out in the last moments of his earthly existence, he had a lot to say about this. If your head is swirling, if you're frustrated right now, just bear with me for a couple minutes while we talk this through. Stick with me on this. 
We want to talk about all the things you're wondering. How much forgiveness is enough? Do I forgive someone even if they haven't asked for it? Do they have to demonstrate to me that they're really sorry before I forgive them? All the things that we think about. But let's think back to Jesus' own experience that have led him to this point today. Let's look at what's happened to him in his life. And let's talk this through a little bit here for just a few minutes. So Jesus has come into this difficult and even impossible situation. It's one of the most impossible situations you could ever imagine. His own experience has told him that everything is unfair. Everything he's experienced. They put a sign above him that says, King of the Jews. That's what they did. When you were accused of a crime, when you were put on the cross, the worst thing, they always put a sign above you that listed your crime. But what was Jesus' crime? Remember, Pilate says, he didn't do anything. Let him go. I'll beat him. He may or may not live through it anyhow. But what has he done? In fact, Pilate says, I'm going to wash my hands of this whole thing. And so now, Pilate, in his passive-aggressive way, takes a shot at the religious leaders of Israel. You say that's what he is? Fine, we'll put it on the sign. King of the Jews. That's what we're going to say. As the kids would say, he was, Pilate was throwing a little shade at the religious leaders. But what we see in this moment, Christ has been completely innocent, and yet now he is on the cross. His entire passion, everything we've talked about, illustrates the injustice of living in a world that is marred by sin. Think about your own lives this week and what you've experienced. How unfair some things have been. I'm sure you're dealing with difficulty. I'm sure you're dealing with regret, with frustration. I know at times we all do. We all feel this way. Pilate is angry that he had to do this. And he says, I'm going to wash my hands of this, but in reality, there's blood on his hands. He can't get away from it. The injustice of living in a sinful world is on display. And yet we understand as Christians that nothing we experience can be more unjust. Nothing we see in our world can be worse than what happened to Jesus Christ because he was the perfect, sinless Son of God. We don't deserve some of the things we get, and we often start doing that game. I've never done anything like that to someone, and that's maybe true. But unlike us, Christ has never even sinned. He never even had a bad thought about someone. And yet, he's on the cross. He's beaten. He's in agony, not just physical agony, but spiritual agony as the weight of all the sin of all the universe is upon him. This is the most unjust moment that's ever occurred. And yet God tells us something else is going on. There's something else going on here. There's something else happening. And it's something that to us is completely unsatisfying. Philippians 2 reminds us that Christ, who spoke the world into being, is found in human form. And he did this himself. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. 
he humbled himself that he would be exalted. Though he was already exalted, he was the one and only Son of God. He came to us to lay down his life for each one of us. That's what was sung about this morning. It doesn't feel right to us. If we were writing this story, somehow Christ would conquer all of them. They would all bow down to his power. He'd be like some Marvel superhero and there'd be some great moment where the music crescendoed and he would show them all. He would get it together. All the wrongs would be made right in a flash. Everyone would recognize how they were wrong like some after school special on TV and it would all be okay. But that's not how it happened. And that's not how it works in our world either. It's not how it works in our world either. You see, instead, Christ chooses us. They mock Him. They say He saved others. They even have heard that He's raised Lazarus from the dead. They've known He's healed people. He's done all these things. It's maddening to me to think that they knew what Christ had done and yet they killed Him anyhow. He saved others. Let him save himself. In our world, Jesus would come down and do that. But think about it. Jesus knew that there were two sides of a coin. If he saved himself, he couldn't save us. He humbly took injustice that he would save us. He was the only one who could do it. The only one that could pay the debt. And in humble submission, he came and did it. If we were in Jesus' shoes, I don't think we would have done it that way. I don't think I could have done it that way. I don't think that's what I would have done. I, I just don't believe it's what I would have done. I wouldn't have chosen to lay down my perfect life. That's why I'm not God's son. As much as I'd like to think I understood. Jesus. Jesus did it because he loved us. Even as his life is slipping away, as he has few words left, he has very little breath. He has to lift himself up on the cross to even say anything. He has to choose his words carefully. He has to. And he pushes himself up on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Think about that. His last words on the cross are for those around him, the thieves, and for those out there, whether he's talking about the crowds or the, the religious leaders that should have known from the Old Testament promises he was fulfilling all of them, or whether he was talking about the, the crowd that was swayed by them or, or the soldiers who were just doing their jobs, so to speak, whatever. He was talking about Everyone. He prays for their forgiveness. He even explains the situation. He says, Father, they don't understand. That's not how we operate in our world. In fact, we jump on board with accusation when others express injustice almost immediately. It's not an American pastime. It's a global pastime. It's something politicians build their lives on. 
Entertainment thrives on it. Stories and songs we watch and hear all about it. By our standard, by our way of judging it, this is the most horrible thing we can imagine. It's not justice. It's not right. And when we see things that are wrong, we think there's only one way to make it right. Those turkeys need to pay. Jesus needs to come off the cross and show them how it is. Revenge is a dish best served cold. But he doesn't come off the cross like some Bruce Willis action movie star. He doesn't. Instead, he begs for their lives, for their souls, for their forgiveness. They don't see it. They don't understand it. He understood the weight of that sin he carried from the Garden of Gethsemane. He understood it the entire time. He knew what he was facing as he drank the cup of God's wrath. A holy God, he was the only way. And he stayed on that cross for us. He knew the price of his of our sin and his crucifixion was the payment. Not just his crucifixion, but his resurrection that we're going to see is the proof. And as he was on his way to Jerusalem, he told one of those parables, one of those heavenly stories in a little everyday rapper that we understood. And he talks about this king in Luke 18, this king. And he had this guy that owed him a vast sum of money. Unimaginable. $6,000 million in today's money. The finance team can tell you that I'm not good at numbers. So uh, you can translate that on your own. But needless to say, as my teenage daughter would tell you, that's a buttload of money. It's a lot. And the king calls in that servant and forgives him, Jesus says. He forgives him. So that guy goes out forgiven, and what's he do? He sees somebody on the street that owes him $10,000. And he has him beaten and thrown in prison. The maximum pain. He wants to get that money. Because, and honestly, it's true, the other guy owed him. It was not unjust. The guy owed him the ten grand. And when the king hears about this, he says, what have you done? I've forgiven you all of this. And you couldn't forgive this other person. At Calvary, Jesus wants us to know what the cross is all about. That's why he says what he says here. Since God has forgiven us, we must forgive others, no matter how great the debt they owe us. That doesn't mean there are not consequences for what's wrong or boundaries for what's right and wrong, that there aren't laws and there aren't penalties to promote civil society. We're not excusing any of that. But forgiveness is not just about them. It's also about us. Forgiveness is a component, a mechanism of God's grace. And if we know God's grace and if God's grace is flowing through us, God's at work healing us, freeing us from the burden we're carrying, perhaps that we never wanted that someone else put on us because where the cross is present in our hearts and our lives, forgiveness must also be present. 
The problem for us is one of perspective. It's one where if we're looking only at ourselves and not at the cross, if we only look at what we have to keep and defend and protect, what we think belongs to us or is owed to us, we don't understand what Christ is doing and what he is saying. The cross shows us the opposite is true in that kingdom that they didn't understand, that kingdom that Christ came to bring. He is the king of the Jews. The sign above him is right. He shows us that we cannot just focus on our hurts and what is owed to us because life in a sinful world will never get better until Christ returns again and transforms all things. When we come near the cross, when we look on the face of Christ, when we hear his words, how can we not begin to understand that forgiveness is how we are freed from the prison that sin places upon us and others? It is the vehicle, the conduit of God's grace for us in relationship. It may take time, it may be painful. It may be a long process, and I'm not saying it's easy. But the end results are hopeful, life-giving, and redemptive. If nothing else, it frees you from the burden you've been carrying. And that process, that redemptive process, is what God calls us to do. In Exodus 34, as Moses is up in God, and he sees God with a veil, because you can't see God's holiness as a sinful person. You'll be killed. And he says, God, show me your glory. And the Lord passes in front of him, and he says, hold on a minute. You have to understand that I am a God of merciful, I'm, I'm a God that is merciful and gracious. I am slow to anger. I abound in steadfast love and faithfulness. I'm keeping steadfast love for thousands. I forgive the iniquities and transgressions of sin. But who will by no means be cleared the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on their children and their children's children to the third and the fourth generation? God, when you, guys, when you don't let God get a hold of your heart and transform you, the sin and weight of it that you carry, are you going to pass on the grace and love and example of forgiveness? Or are you going to show them what it means to get even? What are you going to pay forward in your life? Is it going to be forgiveness, mercy, and grace? Is that going to be the bedrock foundation of your relationships? Or is it going to be, you owe me? Because if we're called to show God's glory, to carry God's glory, and we know that's our call, the chief end of man is to glorify God, if you want to radiate God's glory, there's no way you can do it. There's no more powerful example of it than if you forgive someone even if they don't deserve it. Because of the grace of God you've known in your own life. Because it takes the focus off of us and places it back on Christ where it belongs. And forgiveness redeems us physically, emotionally, relationally, and spiritually. It fills us back up. That's what it means to understand forgiveness. When we understand that grace, the mercy of the cross, it should transform the way we live, the way we love, and the way we forgive other people, even when they don't deserve it. In fact, God's grace, the gospel, the hope of new life for them may be manifest in the vehicle of you forgiving. 
Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who I love, as you know, a Bible scholar, says it this way. Whenever I see myself before God and realize something of what my blessed Lord has done for me at Calvary, I am ready to forgive anybody, anything. I cannot withhold it. I do not even want to withhold it. Today, who's waiting for a a phone call from you? A letter. Maybe today you say, I'm not ready for that. Maybe today, just as we close and pray this morning, as we think of what it means to be near the cross, to understand what God has done, maybe you just need to pray this morning, God, give me the capacity to begin to forgive blank. Father, give me the courage to go to so-and-so and to seek their forgiveness for blank. Forgiveness glorifies God, redeems relationships, and heals and transforms not just the forgiver, not just the one forgiven, but the forgiver as well. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I don't know what people are hurting for. I don't know what's going on. But as we come near to the cross, as we see your face, Lord Jesus, as we hear your words. And our sinfulness, sometimes we've done and said things and afterwards in terror, we realize we don't even know why we did it. You understand that. You know every bit of us. God, this morning that we would begin to pray, Father, forgive them. Maybe they knew what they were doing. Maybe they didn't. Maybe we did. Maybe we didn't. Father, help me to seek forgiveness for this. Lord, help me to forgive so-and-so for what you already know. God, that we just wouldn't pray that, but we'd seek it, that we would set them free from a burden they're carrying, that we would honor you, that we would have a testimony to the grace of God. Lord, most of all, that we would also be set free, that there would be more room in our life for you. That's what Lent's about, making more room for you and us. Lord, make that what happens for us and for others, that we would understand the cross, that we would understand what Jesus meant when he said, forgive them for they know not what they do. God, that we would forgive just as we have been forgiven. Make that our prayer. Make that what we do this week, that we would make time for you to have more of us, that we would let go of what we're focused on and put our hearts and our lives even more back on you, Lord Jesus, we pray in Jesus' name.